back when I was uh, a young man uh, doing uh, doing my you know working and doing all that, um, I was discerning. I felt God. I really felt intensely God's call to me to uh, be a priest, and I didn't want to do that, and so avoided it. Um, and uh, but God kept, you know, God gets what He wants, huh? And uh, I remember praying one day, and I was like, Lord, I, it's it's just not going to happen. I'm not going to do it. And, and He says, I, I tell you, and this is how I perceived it in my prayer, all right, that God was saying to me, you know what, you, you don't have to commit, you just go for, go for a year, and then after that year's over and you realize that's not what I want you to do, then you, then you can leave, you go back and do what you're doing. It's like, oh, that's a, that's a pretty good, that's a good plan, I can do a year, and then, I can, then I'll leave and I'll go back to doing what I was doing, so... Now, here we are 35 years later, you know, and, uh, but in a sense, and as I, I, I was reading, uh, you know, Jeremiah, our reading from today, and, he's, and it starts out, oh, Lord, you duped me, you tricked me, you seduced me, you beguiled me, but I let myself be beguiled, and seduced, and tricked, and duped, huh? I let myself because deep, deep down, we know that God's going to get what he wants. And that figure, he's going to figure out a way. He's already figured out a way. Uh, he just needs our assent to overcome our resistance. You know, and uh, thinking of Jeremiah. You know, he was about 15 years old when God called him. 15. And God says, you know, I want you to go and preach to Israel that they're they're, they're not in good with me right now, and uh, that I'm going to, unless they turn it around, I'm going to destroy them, and I'm going to send the Babylonians in and destroy them, and Jeremiah's like, I'm 15, they're going to listen to me, and you know, Jeremiah was right, they didn't listen to him, he's like the least successful prophet of Israel, because they hated him, you know, they had a nickname for him, terror on every side, that's what they called him terror on every side. Here comes that loser. Here comes that, that guy who won't shut up. Here comes that guy who makes us feel uncomfortable. Here's that guy who, who's just always, he's, he's, he's telling us that we're not doing good. We hate that. And they, they ignored him. They, they hurt him. They threw him into cisterns. And eventually, they killed him. Huh? Uh, after the exile, they killed him because he was a constant reminder of the reason why they were in exile is because they were so bad. He's 15 years old, and he's like, I just want to be a teenager. I just want to go around and have fun with my friends and do what 15-year-olds uh, do. But God's like, no, no. And he had all these excuses. I'm not going to do it. But God gets what he wants, and eventually, you know, Jeremiah says, okay. But as he experiences, he thinks, all right, once I get in there, God's going to say, hey, just do it for a year, and I'll let you go. That's not what happened. Jeremiah's in it for the long haul. And, and God, he may have thought, well, God's going to bring me in this, but he's going he's to make it work. He's going to keep me. He's going to protect me. He's going to keep me safe. That's not how it went. So, you know, Jeremiah says, finally, I, I didn't know it was going to be this bad. I want out. And I'm not going to preach anymore. 
I won't, I won't mention his name. I, 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 I just, I will not speak of him. But then he says, it's like fire in my heart. It is like a fire in, in prison in my bones. And, it, and it, 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 I, I can't help it. It's, I got to let it out. I got to preach. I got to do my job. I got to be what the Lord has called me to be. And, and I, I can't help myself. In a sense, we're all 15 years old and we're all Jeremiah. He's got a plan for everybody here, and he's got everybody here doing something that he wants done. And sometimes it's not easy. And we say, I just want to be 15 and have, have fun, and I want to be in my safe place, and I want to be comfortable, and I want to be in control. And the Lord's saying, none of that. And he dupes us. He beguiles us into this. And, and, and then he turns the tables on us? No. We know. We knew. We've always known what this was about. We always know that there's a cross somewhere in our life that we got to carry if we're going to be fruitful and happy. You know, look at, uh, you know, Peter last week. You know, you were rocking on this rock, I will build my church. You remember the gospel last week? Uh, Christ elevates him to the papacy. <laughs> and now this week, Peter's like, all right, I'm going to act. My first act as the pope is to try to tell Jesus he doesn't have to carry a cross. And that, and what, what Peter's really saying is, I don't want to carry a cross. Jesus is like, no, Peter, get in line, get behind me. I got plans, and you're going to do what I say. Not, you're, you're not in control. It's not about you. Your life is not about yourself. You're not here to be comfortable. You're here to do what I ask you to do. And sometimes that's going to cost you, and sometimes you're going to have to carry a cross. But I'll tell you, you're going to be fruitful and happy. We've all got things in our life where we've got to preach. We can't help it. It's who we are. If, we, if we're to be what the Lord's called us to be, sometimes we're going to be uncomfortable. We're not going to be in control. We're not going to get our way. We're going to realize our life is not about ourselves, and we're going to do our job the way that Christ calls us to do it, and sometimes it's going to hurt. Got to preach. Got to preach to your family, your kids, your spouse, people you work with, and your friends. You have to be Jeremiah. You can say no all you want, but God's going to get what he wants. Think of the times in your life where you've been called to preach, maybe point out like Jeremiah had to, hey, that's not the way we do it. We do things here. That's not what the Lord wants. And how many times have people ignored you, hated you, slammed doors on you, uh, tell you things like, you're, you're, you know, if you, don't, if you don't stop this, you're not going to get invited to the wedding, or we're not, you know, we're not going to, you know, whatever it is. How many times? But that's your job. It's my job. The action of grace, brothers and sisters, is, is like a, a scouring grit that wipes away all resistance. The action of grace moves us out of that place of comfort and control and sends us into that uncontrollable, unknowable place of Jeremiah where we can't help it. There's, a, there's an author, I'm going to end it with this, there's an author of mine, uh, not mine, but I like this, this guy. He wrote a great book called St. Helena. Helena, uh, back in the middle part of the earlier part of the last century. And Evelyn Waugh, he's a British guy. 
And he wrote another book called uh, Brideshead Revisited, and they made a miniseries out of it or some TV thing. I, I haven't seen it, but uh, I've read the, the book. It's interesting. It's not, I, don't, I don't like it as much as I like Helena, but um, it's about a Catholic family in Britain and how they influence the lives of these non-Catholics around them but also have to struggle with the waywardness of their own Catholic kids. And I, if you don't mind, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna read you um, the uh, passage that reminds me of Jeremiah today and Peter and what we're all called to do. So bear with me, it's, it's a short paragraph, okay? But just, it's, it's visual, so close your eyes and listen to this. This is the action of grace. And this is the, uh, the protagonist of the story. This young man, he's in Oxford, he's in college. And he's narrating uh, his memories uh, of that time as an older man. And he says this, An image came to me of an Arctic hut and a trapper alone with his furs and oil lamp and log fire. The remains of supper on the table, a few books, skis in the corner, everything dry and neat and warm and tidy inside. And outside, the last blizzard of winter raging and the snow piling up against the door, quite silently, a great weight forming against the timber, the bolt straining in its socket, minute by minute in the darkness outside, the white heap sealing the door. Until quite soon, when the wind dropped and the sun came out on the ice slopes and the thaw set in, a block would move, slide and tumble high above, gather way, gather weight, to the whole hillside seemed to be falling, and the little lighted place would crash open and splinter and disappear, rolling with the avalanche into the ravine. The avalanche was down. The hillside swept bare behind it. The last echoes died on the white slopes. The new mound glittered and lay still in the silent valley. It is the spring of love. Brothers and sisters, there is no love without suffering. And sometimes, doesn't it feel like, doesn't it seem like Jesus should come with a warning label? <laughs> 